Welcome to the Successful Rental Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Silverman. Together, we will dive into and dissect the rental property and talk about the dirty work of real estate, property management. We are going to explore the nuts and bolts that turn a vacant property into a cash-flowing asset, creating long-term wealth. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. When you first buy a rental property or you have a vacancy coming up for an existing rental property... The first thing you want to do is go ahead and start advertising because you want to get a tenant in there as quick as possible You because know, you want that cash flow coming in to cover your expenses. You know, that's the point of having a rental property, cash flow, and long-term wealth building. And you, you have to have a paying tenant to get that, but you don't want to advertise too soon. Over the years, I mean, especially the last 10 years or so, rent tenants, their standards have changed. They've increased. Rents have been going up, I mean, with, with no end in sight, and as pricing has increased, um, so have tenant standards, just like on the home buyer side, standards are going up. Um, so let's focus on those tenants. When tenants are paying a premium, they want that house to be a premium. They want everything to work. They wanted everything to look beautiful and they want it to look essentially like it's brand new. Um, I call it the HGTV effect. Everyone watches HGTV, renters, buyers, sellers, everyone. Everyone watches it and everyone sees the nice stuff that's out there when you have a Hollywood film crew editing with lighting and only showing the good stuff. And so those tenants, a lot of tenants when they come in, that's what they expect. They expect it to be perfect. And so, but unfortunately, it's not, that doesn't exist in the rental world. Um, one of the things I always like to do is I like to compare it to renting a car. You know, the car is gonna look good and it's gonna function as it should. And so, you know, that's, what you expect when you have a rental car, if there's a few dings here, a few dings there, you just notate it on your, on your uh, vehicle assessment when you check it out and you drive the bump along and do your thing. Same thing with a rental property. So but what I do is I call it rent ready. When I speak with all my clients and what we do for our own rental properties is you have to have your property rent ready before you start advertising and showing it to residents. Because no matter what you put in that advertising, people's eyes tell them what to believe. Even if you say, hey, the house colors do not work right now, we're gonna be painting it all to a neutral gray or a neutral tan or a, you know, something a little bit lighter than, if you're watching on the video, lighter than in this background here. They're not gonna, their brain, their brain's gonna go, it is what it is, that's what it is, ignore it and move on. Because you have a lot of competition out there in a the rental market, at least in most markets, you have a lot of competition. And so your property needs to be ready to go from day one. If your property's not rent ready, don't advertise. Because one, it's gonna cause less people to be interested in your property and they're just gonna check it right off their list. And the ones who do come and see it are probably not the tenants that you want coming to see it because the tenants who want the, the quality tenants who are willing to pay top dollar for good properties passed on your property. The prospective tenants who are gonna come see it are the ones who say, yeah, I'm kinda cool with things not working as well as they should because, well, I can't be too picky because I might not get approved elsewhere at the, at the better quality properties. And so when they come and see your place from that set that sees it, so you have a lot of, all your prospective tenants who are, could be interested, that gets cut down significantly because your property's not rent ready. And then it gets cut down even more when it's um, when they come out and see it and they they don't see the changes that are coming along 
and so it'll take you longer to rent it and then your property will go stale and then in the rental market when your property goes stale it's harder to find a renter so in the rental market i mean this can vary by market but in my market here in charleston three weeks is about when a property will go stale so if you don't have a lease signed within three weeks people start wondering hey what's wrong with your property and so instead of them thinking hey this is a decent property let me go see it they're thinking hey what's wrong why should i go see it and so you're starting off with a negative that you then have to overcome and so you don't want to be in that situation so there's two reasons why you want to be rent ready one you're gonna get better quality tenants and two it won't sit as long which hurts your cash flow all right so what do i mean by rent ready okay so there's two there's two kind of like gradients in there there's the rent ready for advertising and then there's rent ready for a tenant to move in rent ready to move in i mean i'm sorry rent ready to advertise is what detracts from the eye that's that's my rule or guideline when you're doing your advertising and when you're going to bring prospective tenants by what detract okay let me let me throw this little caveat in there when your house is rented, you can't do too much here because you're, you're stuck with it. The, rent, the current tenants live there, however messy they keep it or however clean they keep it, that's what it is. The paint colors are what the paint colors are. So this first piece is you gotta do the best you can when the place is currently occupied. Um, but this is for when it's vacant and you're just about to do it. It cannot be a construction site, nothing. Don't have paint cans sitting in your advertising photos. Don't have trash bags. Pick up all your trash. Um, don't have unpainted walls, half-painted walls. I mean, it's just, I understand how, as a property owner, because I am one, that you want someone in there as fast as possible. So you think, well, if I just start advertising sooner, it's better. But then you're just wasting your time, spinning your wheels with people who aren't going to rent your house because it's not ready. So. My company's come up with some guidelines on what it, what it means to be rent ready. So as far as like advertising rent ready, your paint has to look new. It doesn't need to be new, but it has to look new. If you can tell that there's just been a bunch of touch-up painting done over the years and that the paint's kind of beat up, a little dirty, you're going to need to repaint. It's a cost of knowing business. And so that's why it's important to select paints that you can quickly touch up and move on and stuff that um, you know in certain rooms you want it to be washable like so you put satin paint in your bathrooms in your kitchen so that way it's washable it's more durable and those are the rooms that usually take the heavier beating and you can you know clean it and move on but then in like kitchens and hallways the rest of the house use a flat paint it doesn't have the nice shine that satin has but it touches up much better so you can touch it up and go and um, and, and, and it, it reduces your cost in getting that property ready. So um, that's what I love. I love flat paint and most of the house and then satin in the where water is going to be because that satin paint also helps repel some water. So it's really nice. Um, so you want to make sure your paint's good. Um, clients tend to underestimate paint, at least for us, our clients, a lot of them underestimate paint. Um, your paint scheme that you liked if you lived there before, prospective tenants might not like it. You just need one paint color throughout your entire house um, because, and it needs to be neutral because you're not looking to have this specific unique property that only fits a handful of people's taste. Now maybe you do, maybe you don't. If that's how you want to paint it, fine. 
but you better have a pretty damn unique property that's going to attract certain people that love that color scheme and all that kind of stuff. Because um, otherwise, people are going to come in and turn you off. I mean, I've spoken with thousands upon thousands of prospective tenants, and paint is the number one criteria on like the yay or nay. Like, if they don't like the paint, they're definitely not going to rent the house. If they're if the paint's okay, yeah, not, not a big deal. They could potentially rent it. Um, but if that paint's a no, nothing else is going to matter. They don't care if the bedrooms work, the bathrooms work, nothing else matters. So the paint is vital. So you have to have paint that looks new, clean, ready to go. And the other thing is your flooring. Your flooring needs to be in good shape. I'm not saying replace everything. It just needs to be good. You can have a few stains in the carpet, but they can't be prominent and big. Like you have a little, little, little small stain, you know, like, you know, quarter size, nickel size or something in the carpet. Not that big of a deal, you know, steam clean your carpet, get it as clean as you can and, and move on. But you can't have numerous stains throughout the carpet that when people look at it and go, oh, that's kind of gross and dirty because no one wants to move into someone else's filth. And even if you say, hey, we're going to have the carpet steam cleaned too late. They are, that prospective tenant already sees that filth and dirt in their head and they're going to be like, I don't want to live in somebody else's dirt. Um, and so that's where I talk about what detracts from the eye. So when your property is vacant, you got to start on the outside of it, walk around the exterior and be like, okay, as I'm looking at this house, what do I notice that is wrong? And well, here's a real big quick, quick point. If you cannot be objective, get someone else to do this for you. One of the things I like to do when I do a remodel uh, of a project, I like to have somebody else come through with blue masking tape and like little blue painter tape and like put tape on the walls where I've missed things that need to be corrected. I'm not saying go to that level, but if you cannot be objective when you look at your property, you're going to have to bring somebody else in to do it for you. And don't beat them up if they give you feedback that you don't like. They're giving you feedback because your property ain't perfect. If you think it is, hate to be their bad, bad news, it's not. And all the tenants will think it's not either. You're the only one that thinks it's perfect. Um, it might be perfect for their needs, but it ain't perfect overall. And that's what you got to accept. So let someone else look at it if you cannot be objective. And if you think your property is perfect, you're not being objective. Um, so you walk around the outside, see what it is. Do the bushes look a little beat up? Trim them. You know, flower beds, the weeds, pull them. Spray for them. New, new, uh, some new pine straw, pine needles, whatever it is you have down there, wood chips, I don't know. Um, so you walk around the exterior, you do the same thing on the inside. When you go through, what do you notice? What detracts from the eye as you're looking through it? So the thing when people walk in the house is, the first thing they notice is the walls right in front of them. So your foyer better be good. Wherever it is they're walking into the house, that needs to be the best. Well, first, the curb appeal has to be the best because what it is is your house is on a score of 100. And when prospective tenants come, based on those pictures that they saw and their interactions with you and scheduling that tenant, I mean scheduling an appointment, they could still be at 100 or they might already be down to 97 already. And then once they drive up to the property, they're going to see it and their property, their opinion of your property could stay at that 97 or it could come down. And then once they walk in the foyer, let's say you're at 95 now, you're either going to stay at that 95 or you're going to come down. You're not going back up in the scores. You're only coming down. 
And so as you walk through the property, the most important things to have good and ready to go are the things that the tenant first sees. Because the more they like the property, the more they're gonna overlook certain things. And so if they, if they come into that property, they've seen the outside, they come into the foyer and they're still at 100, and you go through the house and they come to a room where there's um, a few nail holes that you might have missed um, from the previous tenant uh, uh, paintings that were hung on the walls. And you say, oh, yeah, we missed those. But, you know, here's what I do. <laughs> this is exactly what I do. If we haven't done all the touch-up painting, I'll tell prospective tenants, hey, this is where nail holes are typically hung. That's why we didn't do the touch-up painting because that's probably where you're going to hang your paintings as well. And if you don't hang them there, call us and we'll come back out and we'll do the touch-up painting. In all my years of doing that, I've had zero people call me and say, come do the touch-up painting. Now, don't get me wrong, we usually do touch-up painting, but there are some times that it doesn't get done. And I've, when I've used that line, I've had zero people call me to come out and do touch-up painting because they hang pictures in the exact same spot usually. So. When you're at, you're going through the, you're back to the tenant. You're walking through with that tenant, and they come to that room with all those little nail holes. Their opinion kind of stays where it's at, doesn't come down because the rest of the house was great. You're still at a 97. They're like, I love this place. They see that little thing. They're like, eh, not a big deal. But let's say they walked up when they came up to the house. They saw some trash in the bushes because it wasn't cleaned up. So when they came into the foyer, the walls were beat up in the foyer. So they're already down to like an 85. As they're going down the hallway, they see the baseboards are just filthy dirty. Now they're down to an 80. Then they get to the bedroom and they see those same nail holes. You no longer get the benefit of the doubt. Now you have an unkept property. So now you're down to a 75. And you're only going down to get zero benefit of the doubt because all these little things add up to a place that has a low score and they're not moving in. And so that's why it's so vital that your curb appeal is awesome. Not awesome. Scratch that. We don't want perfect. We don't want awesome. We want looks good. And what detracts from the eyes. Like I said, it's not going to be perfect. You just want to look good so that way when people come up to it, they see it, they stay at that high opinion of the house and when they come in. So they're going to come in the house, your foyer. Your foyer needs to be as about damn perfect as you can get it. Because that's the very first impression of the interior of the house. And then from there, walk through your house and be like, what detracts from the eye? And so what detracts you? You're walking around the room, you're looking. What do you see that your eye hesitates on? That's what you got to solve and correct. Typically, nail holes, you know, that are you know, just a nail size or smaller, aren't going to detract from the eye. So if you don't get all the nail holes, not the end of the world. But if you got smudges on the wall, um, got mar uh, like clumps of, I have no idea how, but sometimes I'll see like chunks of things on the wall that the previous tenant left. You start seeing those things, that's kind of gross. And that will drop the opinion of your house quick. And some people will say, that doesn't matter in my house. but It does matter. And so those things that detract from the eye, you have to address. And let's say um, you got some standing in the carpet that couldn't come out. You tried your best. You, you, you had the carpet cleaning it out there, you know, so it's clean. It's just stained and it's in a bedroom. You don't, or you, um, it's in a living room in, in kind of somewhere off to the side. And you say, well, it's a stain there, um, but we've had a stain. Like you want to point these things out because when someone comes to their own conclusion on something, it's always worst case scenario. They're gonna see that stain and go, 
Ugh, gross. That start carpet stained. I wonder what the hell happened to that. I can't believe they cleaned it. They're not saying that to you, but they're saying it in their head. That internal monologue is running full speed that entire time. So if you know that stain's there, and you're showing the tenant, you walk through the house, you go, all right, in the living room, there is a stain in the carpet. Here it is. We've had this place cleaned. That thing is as clean as we can get it. It's just stained into the carpet. But the good news is when you put your furniture there, it's going to be covered and you won't see it anymore. And it will be a non-issue. The previous tenant spilled a drink there. There's nothing we can do about it. It's perfectly clean. And you won't even see it once you put your furniture there. And as long as the rest of the house is good, you're going to get that benefit of the doubt, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, so, but you want to keep those... Um, Things that detract, sorry, um, I had a text message come in that I've been waiting on for a while and it popped up on my phone, so I apologize, I got distracted there. Um, the things that detract from the eye, that's really what you got to address. And that's when you can advertise. Is when you, in your advertising, nothing will detract from the eye. The worst thing you can possibly do is say, well, this isn't good, but I'll leave it to a tenant to ask for it, and then I'll do it. Tenants, on average, do not ask. They just skip your property and go to the next because there's plenty of options out there. I have had numerous cases, more than I can care to account, where we've had bad paint in one room. Maybe it's a good paint job, maybe, but it was just a bad color. And the client says, well, I'll paint it if someone wants to paint it. Well, how do they know when they're looking at pictures that you're willing to paint it? Because you wrote it in the description? Sorry to tell you, most people don't read the descriptions. The very first thing they do, look at the pictures, and if the pictures pass their initial opinion, then they might inquire. I mean, they might read it, or they might just move straight there inquiring. And then they're gonna come see the house. And they might or might not ask if you're willing to paint that room. But here's the kicker. If they don't and they didn't like the paint, you just lost a prospective tenant for something you were willing to do from the get-go. So do it. Keep all those prospective tenants interested in your place. The worst thing you can do is leave it up to negotiation because the average person doesn't like to negotiate. The average American does not like to negotiate. We like to go to the store. That product is $5.37 done, I'm buying it and moving on. I'm not negotiating. Go to the flea market where you're supposed to negotiate. Most people will still pay the price they're told because that's what you do in America. That's the price you pay and move on. We don't negotiate. So don't lose prospective tenants over you trying to save a few dollars that you're willing to spend. Spend the damn money and have someone move into your house faster. And so that's what I mean by the rent ready for advertising. Have your property look good for that advertising. So let's move on to what's rent ready for a tenant to move in. And so we've already taken care of all the cosmetic stuff. Now when someone moves in, there's two portions to this. The one is functionality. Everything in that house better function as is. The if you're, if you're providing washers and dryers, they better work as designed. Ovens, refrigerators, microwaves. If you have four stovetops, four burners on your stovetop, and only three of them work, repair it or replace it. They all need to work. 
and I don't care what you're thinking. Well, I was living here, it was good enough for me. Who gives a shit? The tenant is paying for a fully functioning house. And if you go, well, I'll just disclose it to them so they'll be okay with it. Fine, disclose it to them. You know what they're gonna do? Go rent the next house because it does have everything working. There's more options in your house out there. I have no idea why and it boggles my mind where some landlords think, my house is it, it's your only option, tent's only option. Well, maybe you live in a town of a thousand people and it is the current only property available. But if you live in a town of any size, I'm saying town, not even city, town. Tenants have options. In Charleston, I was looking at a prospective client's property the other day, downtown Charleston, in a four block radius, four block radius, 15 available rentals right now on today. 15 in a four block radius, less than a hundred yard squared area, 15 rentals. Now imagine we expand that out to a mile, we get to a hundred rentals pretty damn quick. So if you think this stuff won't matter, it does. All right, I am going to lose video power here in a few minutes, so I am going to stop this, plug in my video camera, and come back. All right, I am back. The video camera's plugged in, recording everything. Um, kind of got sidetracked. I went and did some other work, so I got to pick up where I left off. I don't do too many notes when I do these podcasts. I kind of just ramble and let all the knowledge in my head come spewing out. I literally have one sheet uh, of notes here, and that's the rent-ready document I give clients during our one when they're a prospective client. We give it to them, and then also we have them sign it when it's a... Uh, during the leasing, I mean, sorry, the onboarding process of the main, uh, property management agreement. So I was talking about functionality, making sure everything functions as it should. Now, there's also some, some, you gotta, gotta put some thought into it sometimes. So like, window screens. What do you do when the window screen is ripped? Obviously, you repair it, get it working properly. But what do you do when that window screen is missing? That's a tougher challenge because building a window screen isn't easy. I've, I've never done it. We've never had one done because um, usually we don't have to. In newer homes are there, everything's good to go. But in older homes, what do you do? Because um, some tenants want those screens. Now having the window screen doesn't impact, not having the window screen does not impact your ability to use the window. You can still open the window, you can still close the window. Um, so the window itself works fine. But how do you define work properly? I mean, preventing bugs from coming inside, is that a requirement for a window? And it really depends. If you're in Section 8 housing, they do require, when dealing with housing authorities, they can require that you put screens in the window. So according to them, yes, that is a functionality issue that you're going to have to correct. So if you have an appliance, it has to work as is. Uh, not as is, as it's designed. To do, and I've already—if you followed my other podcast—and I've talked about never provide your appliances as is. Always complete those repairs. That's a discussion for my um, in the one-minute tips. You can go check that out. I don't want to dive into that. So we've talked about what you got to do before you advertise and, and start showing. Place has to be ready to go. And now we've talked about the functionality piece, which is that second piece. I mean, I'm sorry, it's that first piece of rent ready of tenant moving in. So what's that second piece 
of a tenant moving in, and that would be their safety. Tenant safety should be your utmost concern. Now, depending on the state that you live in, your state might not have anything on this. Now, you could be grandfathered in building codes. You don't need to have smoke detectors in certain places because of being grandfathered in. Maybe you don't need the carbon monoxide detector from a building code standpoint. Um, but then you got liability issues as well. And so, like, the code, landlord-tenant law of your state, those set the bar at the bare minimum that you have to do. Liability is a whole other issue. Now, like if you have an attached garage, you're supposed to have a carbon monoxide detector. It's a new build, new build um, building code requirement. But if you have an old house and your grandfathered in don't need to meet that code, do you need to put in a smoke, a carbon monoxide detector? And from a code standpoint, the answer might not be no. You need to check your local municipality. I'm not telling you yes or no. Check your local municipality. But let's say they say the answer is no. You don't have to put one in because you're grandfathered in. And then a tenant dies from carbon monoxide poisoning. Are you responsible? That is a question that the civil courts are going to have to answer if you get sued. And then the other question is, are you going to feel comfortable with yourself because someone died when you could have put in a $50 device to prevent it? Like, how would you feel? Like, are you going to be able to live with yourself over that? That you like, you wanted to save 50 bucks so you didn't put in the carbon monoxide detector and now someone died? And then you're going to, you potentially could be going to a civil lawsuit and you're going to lose a heck of a lot more than 50 bucks. And so, and it also comes back down to, do business the right way is my second episode, the first full episode after the introduction. Be a good human, like provide quality housing. That means safety. Make sure your smoke detectors works. Make sure you have a carbon monoxide detector if you need one. If you're in an area where you need a radon detector, have one. In South Carolina, here in Charleston, in Charleston, South Carolina, we don't, radon's not concerned, so we don't have one. Maybe your area does. Maybe you need some sort of other gas detector in your area. I don't know, like do what's necessary to provide those kind of alarm systems to keep your residents safe, just like you would your own family. And also put it, another thing that we require for our clients is you put a fire extinguisher underneath the sink or mount it so easily accessible in the house somewhere. It's gonna run you 15, 30 bucks for just a regular ABC fire extinguisher you can pick up at any local hardware store. Yeah. Will the tenant ever need it? Hopefully not. Hopefully there's never a fire that they need to put out. But what if there is? There are unfortunately fires that occur from time to time that you have to have addressed. And so, do you really want your house to burn down, your $100,000, $500,000 asset to burn down because you didn't put a $30 fire extinguisher in there and then tell the tenants it's there? Do you really want to do that? I mean, will your house burn down? I know. I don't know. I hope not. I don't wish that on anybody. But these things do happen. And by providing those little safety devices, such as a fire extinguisher, smoke detectors, you can save lives and save your property damage. And so do them. Now, one thing I've, all, I've all talked about in the, the one minute tips is the physical security of the building. 
if you have tenants and they move out, you need to put a new key on that house. I'm tired of this whole like old school mentality of, well, the tenant gave me all the keys, so all's good in the world. Seriously? You really think that the tenant, you gave them two keys, they gave you two back? They didn't go and make any copies at Lowe's or Home Depot or Ace Hardware or True Value or any other of the hundred places you can get a key made for $2.50? Change your damn locks. Some states require it. I think all states should require it because it's ridiculous that landlords won't spend 20 bucks or 30 bucks to ensure their tenants' safe physical security. Um, I don't recommend, like, with my management company, we, we force our clients to change locks. We, we do it for them. But what we do is we install quick set rekeyable locks um, when we pick up management of the property. And that enables, uh, and so that way the, those locks are put on there, it's a one-time cost. Then moving forward, there's no cost to the client for rekeying the locks because we, I mean, we literally have hundreds of keys in the office. And so we put a new set of keys on that house. I've never been there before. And the only people that have those keys are the tenant and my company in our lockbox. It's going to that, and in our lockbox is locked in the office. So like people can't just come and take the keys. And there's key codes and you have to go to the key sheet to find out what property it goes to. It's physical security that's very important that you gotta address. Make sure all your windows lock. If your windows don't lock, lock them. Do you wanna live in a house where your windows don't lock? And the answer is no. And if you say yes, you're much more trusting than I am. Um, you gotta do it. And then if something does happen, okay, let's, let's keep on with that. Your sliding glass doors. Those things can be like lifted and pushed and opened they're very easy to break into you need to have a security bar on those sliding glass doors all your sliding glass doors need security bars um, all your exterior doors they have to have deadbolts it's a must if your door doesn't have a deadbolt add one it's very simple do you know how easy it is to break into a doorknob it's easy. You can do it with a credit card, a driver's license. You just jimmy it down there and poop, your door opens. It's easy. All your exterior doors have to have a deadbolt. Again, is it a state law in your state? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But from a liability standpoint, if you just have a regular, if you only have a knob and someone can just pop that open in two seconds and go in, do you think you are going to be held liable if something happens? The tenant's stuff gets stolen, or someone gets raped or murdered because someone just popped open the doorknob and went in. Install the deadbolt. And then when you do that, advertise it to your prospective tenants. Tell them, we have deadbolts on all of our exterior doors. We change locks because I care about your security. Those other management companies or landlords might not have. Did they do, do they do that? If it's a state law that you have to change locks, tell them that. Say, it's a state law, so we do it. Because we want to make sure we're in compliance with the law and that you're safe. Use those as selling points to get tenants. Tenants like to hear that. Tenants want to be safe in their homes. So that final piece of rent ready is their security. You change the locks. You have deadbolts on all exterior doors. You make sure all your windows can lock.
um, and do lock. You make sure that you have uh, bars on your sliding glass doors. Not the little pieces of wood that you put down there because you have an extra 2x4 or you find a nice fitting stick. Spend the $7 or $10. Go to Amazon and buy it and install it because it looks better. It looks good and tenants appreciate it. Will they use it? I don't know. They might leave it up the whole time. But you know what? You did everything you could to give them the tools to do their, their stuff safely. And one last thing on physical security. If you have a garage door, make sure that it can lock. Um, or, because you know, some garage doors don't have locks on them, so anyone can just open up and walk in. But if you, know, you do the automatic garage door, that, that locks for you. You can't just open it and go because it's automatic. But in between tenants, make sure you erase the memory of that garage door. And then reprogram the garage door opener to it. The reason is just like keys. People can reprogram, they can program any number of remote openers to it. And so if you gave them two and they gave you two back, were those the only two that they programmed to it? Did they, do they still have the code to the keypad that you have outside? Does the owner still have the code to the keypad outside? Are you the owner? You still have the keypad. You gave the keypad to the neighbor, so the neighbor can still access the property. What if the neighbor has it written down and their like 16-year-old kid finds it and goes and breaks into the house? It's these little things that, are, that rarely happen that do happen. It costs you very little, if not nothing, except five minutes of your time to do to ensure your tenant's safety. And yes, spending money you don't have to sucks. Spending five minutes that you shouldn't have to. But you know, we don't, we don't live in this fairy tale world where everything is good and dandy. Bad shit happens. I know it. Bad shit has happened in my personal life completely out of my control and it fucking sucks. But it happens. And so you have to take care of these things yourself and put yourself in a position to succeed. And that is ensure that your tenant's security is of your concern. Because if you don't care about your tenant's security and something happens, you will be held liable and then you're going to damn well wish you had cared. So take tenant security seriously and make sure that you put that final piece of rent ready in place. Because if something happens, you're going to wish that you did. And again, use that as a selling feature when you talk to prospective tenants. Every prospective tenant I talk to, I during when I show them the house, I tell them we rekey. I tell them that we reset their garage door. I tell them that their safety is of my concern and that I want them to feel safe and secure in that home. And it makes them feel good and it builds a working relationship and rapport with them. And that's what you need to have that success with your tenant because quality tenants care about that. They want their family safe. Everyone wants their family safe. So do that. And yes, I'm on a little bit of soapbox because I talk with prospective clients who say they don't give a damn, they don't want to change locks. And I say, well, we're doing it, whether you like it or not, if you hire us. And sometimes they don't hire us and I don't give a shit, move on, I don't care. I don't have time for people that do not care about basic safety in people's houses. I just, I just don't have it. Get, as you can tell, I'm kind of pissed because this topic really pisses me off. All right, so back to my one sheet of paper that I have for my notes. I've hit it, well-maintained, flooring looks good. If you have window coverings, 
they're gonna have to be blinds. You're gonna have to replace them from time to time. It just is what it is. Um, unless you have a high-end house, I don't recommend real wood stuff. But make sure those blinds look good. You might have to replace them if you go with the cheap, the, the cheapest of the little plastic one-inch ones you can, because um, it's appropriate for your price point. You might have to replace those from time to time, like every year or between every tenant. You know, just make the judgment call. Make sure they look good. Um, remember, you're not going for perfect. It's like renting that car. There's going to be some small dings here and there. You just want nothing that's too obvious and detracts from the eye. Um, lawn care, make sure it's up to good. Make sure all your appliances work. Fire extinguisher in the kitchen. Smoke detectors. Any other detectors that you have. Oh, here's a kicker. Here's another thing about smoke detectors. It is recommended that they're replaced every 10 years. So if your smoke detectors are older than 10 years, replace them. Again, you might be grandfathered in some building code. But liability is a concern. So if your fire, if your smoke detectors are older than 10 years and they ended up not working in a fire, you can help be held liable. So make sure you replace those every 10 years. Carbon monoxide detectors if you need them. Deadbolts on all exterior doors. Rekey between all tenants. Security bars. And then the last thing would be make sure all your tenants start off with a good clean HVAC filter. HVAC filter is a whole other way uh, discussion, but point that out and say, hey, we've got you a new brand new HVAC filter. It's on you to replace them if that's your policy. So that's 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 just some of the rent ready that you got to do. Make sure that you have it ready to go before you start advertising. Otherwise, you're going to cost yourself money in the long run. I promise you. I've done it on my own properties where I started advertising too soon. It cost me money in longer vacancy and reduced rents because I got tenants that the tenants who wanted quality passed and I had to drop down. And then before you rent, before you fill the place, make sure everything works and then make sure the tenant's physical security is there as well. I'd like to hear your thoughts on rent ready. Maybe uh, my forcing rent ready is full of shit and you don't believe it and you have all these examples of how I'm wrong, I'd love to hear them. If you agree with me and you learn something new, I'd love to hear your feedback as well. I love the dialogue when it comes to rental properties. I'm a real big proponent of quality housing at every single price point. So reach out to me. Uh, you can. Uh, I was going to say you can comment on the podcast. I don't, think, I don't know if you can or not. You can review on the podcast. But catch up with me on Twitter. Catch up with me on SuccessfulRental.com or over on the Facebook page for SuccessfulRental.com. On Twitter, it's Aaron Silverman. On Facebook, you can find Facebook.com slash SuccessfulRental, I think it is. Or, um, and then just go to the website, SuccessfulRental.com, and that'll link you to the Facebook page as well. All right. Thanks for listening. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Successful Rental Podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to my rantings and ravings on rental properties and property management. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player or jump on over to SuccessfulRental.com to connect with me.